love fellowship. Fellowship with Jesus and one another. It's amazing. Well, we have a special treat this morning. We have a guest speaker. His name is Greg Tipton. Give you a little, they gave me a little bio for Greg. He didn't know I was going to read this and embarrass him. I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, they said that Greg started, he was, used to be a starting quarterback for the University of Hawaii. And he said when he was playing, he played church. He used to wear scripture with the tile on it, but he really didn't know Jesus, but he was playing church as he was playing the game. And then since something in February 1987, that all changed for him. He met Jesus for real. And I'm here to tell you, Greg met Jesus for real. He's full of God. You know, how many love the word enthusiasm? And theos in the Greek means full of Jesus, full of God. And that's our man Greg here. And he's uh, confronted with the lordship of Jesus Christ, and he's never turned back. After he graduated from there, he went to full-time ministry. And we were talking yesterday. Um, his route to ministry and my route to ministry seemed to, uh, to mirror one another. We just kept our head down, and we continued to serve Jesus. And then our gifts made room for us. And then many years later, um, now Greg serves as our Every Nation Campus, um, as well as the director of 10-Day Mission. So I was our campus director and also our missions director for Every Nation, our, our, family, our churches that we're under. Uh, my wife describes Greg this way. She says, I first met Greg. Who's the baby-faced guy with the gray hair? I say, he's young. I'm telling you, he's just as young as it goes. But Greg currently lives in, in Franklin, uh, Tennessee, with his wife, Suzanne, and two daughters. He's an empty nester like us, so we were crying over our kids not being around and trying to be strong. But can we do something special? And this is his first time to Abilene, Texas. Can we give him a Texas Abilene welcome this morning? Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Are you on? Beautiful. Well, you know, it's great to be here. Um, I got one I got one issue. Our, you know, communication card since I just turned 50 this year, it's like I'm on the tail end of our communication card. There's like no more spaces. What? We need to get some a li- little bit older. We need to change it up, you know, 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds. It's like, man, I'm, I'm the last one. It's like it's not fair, you know. So you take your communication card. But you know what? It's so great to be here um, as Pastor Rich said, this is my first time to Abilene, and uh, he was kind of giving me a little history of Abilene being the middle. Everything is so close and proximity, and you know it's one of the fastest growing places for people to come to get away and retire. And they said that about Franklin, where we live. And my wife said, "Well, tell them to stay away. We don't want them. We don't want any more over here. We like what we have." Uh, but I met Pastor Rich you know, in the Every Nation world a few times, but I really got to know him back uh, this last semester in in our spring break trip to Cincinnati. And, you know, it's it's a real treat when you start talking about campus ministry and the dream of starting campuses and new church plants. And when your pastor gets in a car with, you know, 16 other young people and drives 16 hours, to go on a college campus and preach the gospel. I, my respect for Rich went up a, a, a number of notches. And I saw him on campus and w- when we were out there engaging students with the God test, we introduced some tools and, 
and different things like that. He goes, man, I've never, I've never even used the gospel. Man, this is great. This is incredible. We've got to bring this everywhere. We've got to do this kind of stuff. So I say that uh, it was just a great joy to meet Pastor Rich and Donna and what's going on. And I'm excited. As we were eating dinner last night, we were just talking about all that was going on here in Abilene. Uh, I just drove in, or I flew in yesterday from, um, from Austin, Texas, where we had, is, we had our Campus Harvest Conference. It's our first of four. We have conferences all over uh, for young people. There was about 400 college-age student, college students there. In fact, we had 89 from Abilene. 89. 89 students that made the trek. And I, I was asking Alan, I said, what, how did you, did you get a bus or something? He goes, we had 16 cars, just carpooling. Just go, I go, whatever, you know. I remember those long drives and, and many of them are driving back this morning for the missions meeting tonight. And so uh, I'll just say it's, it's a great joy to be here. I'm also grateful for this church of helping carry the banner for missions and partnering monthly with 10 days. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about 10 days, but so any of you who have been on a 10 days trip, how many of you have, how many of you have ever been on a mission trip? How many of you have been on a 10 days mission trip? Now let me just say this, is that one thing that we have that the dream that we have with 10 days is that to me, missions is so much more than a few days in another nation. It's a process that gets inside of you that changes your perspective of the things of God. Because when you get outside of your own elements and your own comfort zone, God really does new things. All you have to do is ask anyone who's been on a mission trip that, that God wants to expand and do more things in our hearts. So really, when you think about it, what if my life is made up, and, and this is my world, it's, it's with missions of young people, is there anything else? You know, this is why I love the vision of this church at Grace Point, and I love every nation because we value the next generation. We value what, what God wants to do with us, and as we're, as we're going to continue the Lego series today, Today, um, I would like you to turn with me this morning, or you can look on the screen at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I'm just going to read 1 Thessalonians 1, it's chapter, or verses 1 to 10, and we're just going to jump right into this thing. It says, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version, which is the one that Jesus preferred. So those of you who are some old King James or, you know, even the new ESV and all these new translations, I'm, I'm reading from the real, anyway. <laughs> Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope. In our Lord Jesus Christ and the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved of God, His choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit 
and with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, you also then became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So then you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. In every place, your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say any more. For they themselves report to us about what kind of reception we had with you, and how you turned from God to idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead. That is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath of come, wrath to come. Father, this morning, Lord, we ask that you would illuminate your word. Lord, that you would remove our small thinking and remove maybe the, the, the obstacles that we've put up to, for you. And Lord, I ask that you would explode vision and passion and purpose inside of us today. Anoint the word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We start here in verse 1, which is really interesting. You know, there's so much... And for the, you know, for the 30 minutes that I have this morning, there's, there's so much in this, in this chapter, from an imitator to an example to conviction to different things. But I'm going to touch on a few things. But the first thing I want to look at here, it's really interesting. Paul and Sylvanus and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, there's something about doing things together. It wasn't Paul just talking about himself, but there was something about doing things together it's so much better together it's so much better than us not having to do things on our own but that God wants us to do things together and many times is it why we do things together is because it prompts us or provokes us or stirs us so that we don't have to do them alone you know, I made, a, I made a big gash, and I want to do this. I want to show you a picture of my family. First of all, I mean, I've completely gaffed this thing. I should have done it earlier. That's my wife on the right, Suzanne. 20, we just celebrated 25 years. Um, my daughter on the left, Caroline, we adopted when she was one day old because we were in the infertility challenges, and we, we couldn't get pregnant. And then in the midst of our adoption, God supernaturally caused my wife at 43 years old to get pregnant. So that's Courtney, and so she's 18, and Caroline's 19. They're five months apart, and uh, I've got lots of estrogen. I've got lots of hormones. I mean, I'm completely outnumbered, but I am so blessed and so grateful that I get to do life with them. Let me tell you something, you need to think back of the relationships and the people and the, the things that God, that's good, thank you, the things that God puts in our life because we want to do things together. We want to dream together. And we give thanks for all of you while making mention of you in our prayers. You know, it's, it was so exciting to meet Dean, you know, the, the, who leads our intercessors and I, I met Ruth, our children's director, and as I just even looked at Ruth this morning, 
She goes, I just love what I do. I love these kids. I love, they're a treasure to me. And you know, when you meet people like that, I, it wasn't like I was asking her that. That's who she was. And as I met our, as I met our greeters, you know, our first impression, my man Kyle and John, you know, they were smiling away. And, you know, so many times we, we delegate things for others, but there's something about taking the step and taking responsibility on our own. You know what? I want to part the play. I don't want to be left out. Those who serve in the children's ministry, those who are our greeters, those who are helping with our kids all the time, those who are in the back at, you know, doing the PowerPoint and our worship this morning. Let me tell you something. We need each other to be who God's made us to be. We need each other. And so we're constantly bearing in mind the work of faith. We're constantly bearing in mind. You know, many of us, you know, we all need to have that gift of encouragement. You need to just look at people and make it a decision of your heart to be an encourager. Because Lord knows that I need it. And see, when, when, if you really take that posture of an, an encourager, when you really need it, you're going to get it back to you. It's going to come right back to you. Knowing, brethren, beloved of God, His choice of you. Verse 5, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but in power. And in the Holy Spirit with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you. As Pastor Rich said, you know, uh, I grew up in Southern California. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get a football scholarship to the University of Hawaii. But you got to know a little bit of the backstory. In high school, I never played, I sat the bench, never played. But yet I had a dream and I kept prying and working and, and preparing and fighting and believing because I knew that if I prepared and allowed my, and if I put myself in situations sooner than later, an opportunity would come. So many times we think, well, Lord, have you forgotten me? And, you, you know, what about me? And all these kind of things. Let me tell you something. If you do what's right. And you make decisions that's right to honor God and follow Him. And He'll honor you. But I was a religious kid. Grew up in the church and knew the things about God. I used to sit in the back and uh, you could label me as a hypocrite. So by the time I was in college, I was a part of the, the Bible studies and never missed church and this, but I lived a double life. But that was all until February 17, 1987, room 246, the athletic department. I was sitting on the third row. It's about 9.15 at night. It was across from the dance studio when I encountered a living God. It's like when, when the pastor was preaching, he was preaching on the cross. And as he was ministering, there was something that was stirred in me. And it was like, man, I, I, I couldn't hold back. And before he even gave an altar call amongst all my teammates and friends, about 40 athletes in the room, I stood up and I said, I've got to have what you're talking about. I turned to my girlfriend, looked at her, and I said, it's over. I'm going to serve God. We were living immoral and not doing right and, and all these kind of things. And there was something. See, when you encounter Christ, 
When it, it's not just word, but it's power and with a conviction. There's something that happens. And I don't remember what he preached the first night. But that night he looked at me and with no, no music group, no bells, no whistles, no hype. He just said, if you want to serve God, it's going to cost you everything. It's a free gift, but it's going to cost you everything. And I got born again that night. He looked at me and he said, I'm not going to chase you down. He said, if you're serious about your prayer, you come and see me tomorrow night. Let me tell you something. If God really does something deep in your heart, you're going to want to pursue Him. You're not going to be chased down and tracked down. I mean, there's, there's things we do with follow-up, and we want to invite, and we want to you know, re- reach out to others. But, man, when the gospel comes inside of us, it should provoke an action of going after Him and pursuing Him. And I don't remember what he preached the first night, but the second night he preached on three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he looked at me, and and at the end of the message of the close, (coughs) and he said, who will have the courage to stand for their generation? We think of all the, the garbage and all the challenges of this generation now, and I'm telling you, it's a tough. I work on college campuses, and the pressures and the bombardment of pornography of postmodernism, of philosophies. Man, they are bombarding our young people. But back then, 28 years ago, there was challenges in my life. And there was things that were out. Don't think that lust wasn't real. Don't think that deception and and pride and self-righteousness, they they were real back then too. And what happened is that he... He said, who, who, wants to, who wants to really go after this thing? And I stood up again. Because being raised in the church and knowing... Thank you, Pastor. Being raised in the church and knowing what's right and all this... You're knowing what to do. But the question is, do you have the power to do it? And so what happened was that, man, I, 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 got, you know, I stood up again to get saved again. He looked at me, and it's something that, that I will never forget. He looked me straight in the eye. Because you know the eyes are the path to the heart. He looked me straight in the eye. He said, you know, if you're serious about your prayer last night, you'll never have to stand again. That was 28 years ago. I've never had to stand again. And he looked at me, he said, have you ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I said, what is that? It's the power of God, speaking in tongues. I go, man, tongues are the devil. Because that's what I was raised. I was raised that tongues are the devil. They passed away. And he said, well, okay, whatever. What do you want from God? I mean, he just cut through. It was, you know, we get so caught up that we want to argue with, with different, you know, beliefs and different, are they done away with the man? And all I knew as a young man, I wanted God and I wanted his power. I said, all I know is I want everything he's got for me. He said, just lift up your hands. I lifted my hands. The Spirit of God fell on me. I started praying in tongues. Didn't even know what it was. But that power, that deutimus, that dynamite, about for an hour, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop doing it. And so what happened is when I got saved, I wanted it all. I signed up for the action. 
Let me tell you something. If we, that I'm convinced many times the reason why people struggle in their walk with God, it's because they've not really bought into the full gospel. We, we, we hang out near the water because we don't want, we want to live as close to the line as we can and still get in. And I see the line, I draw the line, I want to run as fast as I can away from that line because I want to honor God. I want to please God. And so it came there even as Paul and Sylvanus and Timothy said, man, the gospel doesn't come in word only, but in power and the Holy Spirit with full conviction. When we talk about Lego, when we talk about being connected, are we really asking, are we really fighting and praying and believing that those that we have relationship with, they'll really walk in the fullness of God? That's the dream. That's the hope. So that then you became imitators. And that's why we have small groups. That's why we do life groups. That's why we have movie nights. That's why we do things. Because we want a chance for you to connect. We want a chance for you to follow people that maybe are a little bit further along in this journey than you are, that can maybe coach you a little bit. Let me tell you something. We need to be imitators. We need those that have gone before us and done more than us so that they can impart to us. And then we become examples. See, it's like we, we need fathers and we need peers and we need other younger men that walk. We need those. That, that's how we grow. It's not that we all just only have fathers. It's not that we only just hang out with our peers. Or it's not that we only just, you know, are teaching those that are younger than you need all of those to help us be all that God has called us to be. That's the dream. That's what God has for us so that you became an example for the word of the Lord is sounded forth from you, in e- not only in Macedonia, in every place, your faith toward God. Everywhere you go, is that God wants to use your life. Everything that you do, God wants to use you. No need to say anything. That's what they're saying. I mean, for time, I could break that down a little bit. But let me tell you something, the greatest story... The greatest example we have is your own story. In 10 days, we call that the two-minute miracle. Because any, any man or any woman that encounters Christ, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that we've come out of darkness into light. And so, in 10 days, we're intentional at preparing you and training you. If I was to ask Many of us in this room must stand up and give your testimony. Most of you couldn't do it in two minutes. You'd be rambling and, and, and all over and 20 minutes later and you might not even say, what, what, what is the gospel? How did it change your life? You know, the, it's a very simple story. We always hear about your testimony, but are we really precise? Because I'm convinced after 28 years in ministry and, and doing missions and campus ministry, the question is not, Can you preach a good 30-minute message? The question is, what are you going to do the first two minutes that you meet someone? Because those first two minutes are going to determine whether they're even going to listen to you. So in business and all those, if we know our elevator speech and all these kind of things, why would it be any different with the gospel? 
Your two-minute miracle. 30 seconds before Christ. And what was your life like before Christ? What sins or bondages or struggles did you, did you think that, that Jesus really came and encountered? You don't meditate on your sin, but you use it as a bridge. 30 seconds, real briefly, of your life before Christ. Then one minute of that moment when Jesus encountered you. Just like you heard me talk about that February 17, 1987, room 246. There was a moment that Jesus encountered me and my life was completely different. What you're doing is you're painting a picture, giving them a front row seat of that time. And then 30 seconds, man, how, does the gospel, how is the gospel continually changing your life? What is it doing now? Let me tell you something, we need to be equipped. We need to be able to testify over and over of what is, because the greatest story or greatest message is your own story of how Jesus encountered you. It's a two-minute miracle. It's life scriptures, it's scriptures in Acts chapter 4, whether Peter and John said, whether it's right in the sight of God, to be the judge, you be the judge. I can't stop speaking what I've seen and heard. First Peter chapter 3, sanctify Christ as Lord, always being ready to give a defense for the hope that's in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And those are the things that over time and years, man, those are like my life scriptures. They're like, they're rooted inside of me. So whatever situation I'm at and however things play out, Man, I've got the word in me that I can bridge a gap to tell people. Let me tell you something. The gospel is not just so that you can get to heaven. The gospel is so that you can bring heaven on earth and that you can show people and, 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 and communicate to others of this God that changed your life. My prayer this morning is that God will bring a revelation to you that short-term missions or a missional life will not only change you forever, but it will change those around you. I went on my first mission trip in, in the summer of 1995 to Manila, Philippines. Many of you have heard the stories of Manila. Now our Every Nation congregation there is over 80,000 members. Churches all over, they're sending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of missionaries every year. And I was at one of the foundations of, of that, and, and, and one, of the, one of our big churches there, it was in 95 that we started a church at the University of Manila in Quezon City. And someone just invited me, I was working on campus at UCLA, and I, I drug 14 college students with me. To there, because I've always heard about missions. But you know, when I went to Manila, I, I saw the things that I'd only read about. I saw revival, I saw miracles, I saw people getting encountered by the droves that I had only heard about. And I made a decision that moment that missions were going to be a part of my life. And now I've probably led 50 mission trips all over the world. I've been on every continent except Antarctica. And I'm telling you, people ask me all the time, they say, Greg, where's your favorite mission trip? And I could say with a 
clear conscience and conviction it was my last one. Because God does something new every time. I can tell you stories about Africa. I can tell you stories about Latin America and India. And the poverty and the struggle and, the, and, the, and those things that God just kind of opens your heart to those, those kind of things. Let me tell you something. That is what God wants to do. You say, well, you know, how did you get, you know, the 10 days? How did you get the name of, of 10 days? And it was on uh, about eight years ago when we started 10 days. I was asked, it was a reorg in every nation. And they asked me to move to Nashville to help lead up a, a short-term missions arm for our movement in North America. Because, see, what's happening of, of, our, of our churches here in, in, in North America, you know, I don't know, 100 churches, 110 churches in North America... If the pastor in the, t- in the church does missions, then, then there's a missional culture. If they don't, then there's not. They think, oh, you know, we've got too much going on locally of what's going on. See, so they said, can you come and help us create a, a missional culture because of through the years. So after that 95, I just made a decision every summer. I took students on mission. We went on mission together. It wasn't a mission trip. We were going on mission together, a journey together to really experience God and to serve and give our lives away and all these kind of things. It was just doing mission together. So we want that same culture here in North America. And so the first thing I did is I said, you know what, I don't, short-term missions, it's not sexy. It's not, no one's going to really grab. You need something that, that people can grab hold of. Every time I say that, my wife goes, why do you use that word? (laughs) I guess working with college kids, you just, you know, anyway. And so I I was invited to do my first 40-day fast. It was in the the anniversary of Azusa Street, the 100-year anniversary. And they were just, we're praying for God to pour out His Spirit. And I was invited to a 40-day fast. And I, I mean, I, I love fasting and I love one of the discipline, you know, the discipline of fasting, but I'd never done more than five days. And this guy looked at me and he said, you know, why don't you join us? There's, there's thousands of people all over the world fasting for 40 days, crying out for revival. And so I said, oh, you know, you're crazy. There's no way I'm doing that. And about three days later, I jumped in, I recruited 147 people. In three days, I recruited 147 people to fast one day a week with me for those 40 days. And it's like I go, Pastor Rich, and I didn't do, but this is what I would do. Pastor Rich, man, I'm doing this 40-day fast. I'm doing this. What day a week are you doing? You have to do it. I wouldn't give them a choice. And just people after, you know, I had guys on my softball team that never fasted a day in their life. I had unsaved neighbors fasting with me. Who get saved. Let me tell you something. If the gospel is in you, it's going to come out of you. And you know what? On the 10th day of my fast, the Lord spoke to me about 10 days. He said, you know, short-term missions, the average short-term mission trip is about 10 days. 10 days, it'll change your life. It'll change your church. It'll change the world altogether. And so we birthed 10 days. And in eight years, we've done 58 trips. 
almost 1,500 participants from 7 years old to 78 years old. Raised over $3 million. They all raised their own money because they, they partner and you create a mentality. More than half of them, it's their first time trip. They're scared to death. They don't know what they're doing. But what happens is that they just sign up and say yes. And you will see what happens is that when you say yes to God, and when you go on mission together, and you do something together, what happens? It changes you. Because when you think about it, 10 days is really nothing. Do you know the average American will live to be 73 years old? That's 26,645 days. All God is asking for is 10. Most of you will spend or have spent nearly 1,900 days pursuing your college degree. If you add up all your minutes, and I'm not even talking about your free incoming, on your cell phone, it would fill 900 days in your short life. Let's get some perspective. Just think of what 10 days could do. 10 days to engage the nations. 10 days to alter your destiny. 10 days to change your perspective. 10 days to think outside the box. 10 days to impact the generation. 10 days to impact your generation. 10 days to see the world in a different light. 10 days to ruin you for life. If you add up all the hours you sit in front of your television, it would fill over 1,100 days and nights. You'll spend 600 days just waiting in lines. I'm serious. Imagine right now what you could do in 10 days. 10 days to change your view of the world. 10 days to change your view of your world. 10 days to affect the history of a nation. 10 days to affect the history of our nation. 10 days to change a family. 10 days to change your family. 10 days to affect the church in another country. 10 days to affect this church in this country. 10 days to cause you to get a world map. 10 days to preach like you've never preached. 10 days... To believe like you've never believed. Ten days to serve like you've never served. And ten days to love like you've never loved. Because all it takes is ten days. All you have to do is ask anyone who's been on a mission trip. If it's changed their life. Would you do it again? Would you go again? You can ask Jim, a 40-something businessman that went with me to our first trip to Bogota, Colombia. Our first trip with 10 days, it was, it was a challenge to me because all the trips I'd ever done were high school and college. And this one guy, this one colleague of mine, he said, what about all the other folk in church? we got to find a lane for them. And we took 88 people to Bogota, Colombia. We had, we had con- contractors and we built things. We brought a medical team We brought high school. We brought children's workers. We brought sports professionals and played their national team in basketball and all these kind of things. And I will never forget this one guy in a meeting just like this. I was preaching on Sunday. We talked about a mission trip. And this guy named Jim, he was a 40-something business-year-old businessman. He came to the meeting that night. He goes, I want to go, but I don't know what I could do to help. I don't know what role I would play. And I just said, Jim, just keep coming. And he kept coming to the trainings and he kept coming around. And we were about three weeks out and he goes, man, I I just don't know what I'm going to do. 
I got to buy my ticket today. I don't know if I can really fit in. But I'm going to trust you that I'm going to do something, that God's going to do something inside of me. Bought his ticket. We land there in Bogota. And we're rallying. We've got teams going out. And his team, he was meeting with businessmen in the community, talking about business principles and character and different things. But that wasn't starting till the next day. So the first day that he was there, I sent him to a high school. And basically, we rallied this high school, and there's hundreds. And when you go to a third world country, a different thing, man, you're like a rock star as an American. Everyone is looking and, and leaning and gleaning from you. So we grabbed all these seniors in high school who wanted to pursue business and put them in a room with an, an interpreter that was broken English with, with Jim. And Jim got in there, and he started sharing. And before he could even share, he just started breaking down. Spirit of compassion came on this guy. And I didn't know because we were doing all this stuff. So I saw him that night as we were coming back, as we were doing a debrief. And I saw Jim in the back. I went up to him. I said, Jim, how was it today? And he just started weeping. I mean, this guy who never showed one bit of emotion. Stoic and this and just, just like that. And he just started weeping. I couldn't believe when I saw these kids, my heart broke. broke. I looked at Jim, I said, that's what we need for our team. I said, will you get up and share that story? And he got up there before we even started the week. And he shared that story. And the Spirit of God fell that day. Compassion and just moving in a burden for, this, for that generation and this. And I'm telling you, what, what happened with Jim set the course of what we did all week. That one God that said, I don't know what I can do. You might be thinking, man, I don't, I don't know what I can do. I don't know what role I can play. I don't know. But you know, the average American will spend 860 days on vacation. You'll spend 500 days just looking for parking spots. The average college student will surf the net enough hours to fill over a thousand days of their lifetime. I'm asking you this morning, do you want to be average? Or do you want to be different? Do you want to look at your fears and say, you know what, I'm going to do something. I'm tired of sitting on the bench. I'm tired of just doing it. Can you? Could you? Should you? Would you give 10 days to God? Go with your roommate. Go with your life group. Had a businessman, a young businessman from Jacksonville, Florida. Went on a first trip. Went to Baja, Mexico. Or actually, he went on this first trip to Bogota and he was so changed. He came home. And with his life group, his six guys in his life group, he said, we're going somewhere next summer together. And all six of them went to Baja, Mexico. Now those six businessmen have been probably on 40 trips all over the world. In fact, one of his roommates is now full-time working with me at 10 days because his roommate invited him to go on a mission trip because they did it together. 
Let me tell you something. God is orchestrating. And I, I don't believe it's coincidence that I flew all the way here from Nashville, Tennessee to just, to just look at you and say, man, God's got something more for you. God can do something great in your life. If you have only one Starbucks a day for the rest of your life, you'll spend nearly $60,000 on designer coffee. Every one of you will spend nearly $350,000 on vehicles during your lifetime. What's a couple grand for God? Because that's what the average short-term mission trip costs. Think about it, if every one of us in this church committed to every three years or every four years to do a mission trip, what kind of an impact could we have in the world, in our neighborhood, in our families? Because all God wants is ten days. I'm praying that it becomes a part of our discipleship process. My conversation with Pastor Rich, I know in Nashville and other places where I go, it's just part of our discipleship process. Because it's like discipleship on steroids is missions. As you're doing it. Because I, what I want to do is I want to eliminate every, every excuse. This last story I'm going to share, and I know I'm trying to close. It's hard to close, but I'm trying. You just need to ask Cindy Trainer, single mom, who wanted to take her daughter on a mission trip. She wanted to take her 14-year-old daughter on a trip, well, leading a trip about 10 years ago to Riga, Latvia. We're doing kids' camps and different things there. And she was in the process, and she came, and she signed up, and she was this, but she, that, 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 the goal of, of 2300 bucks, which it was going to cost for a trip, she saw it times two, $4,600. She didn't have any money. She didn't have anything. And she said, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I said, just jump in the process and let God show Himself strong for you. And we were meeting every week and hearing stories and encouraging. And Cindy would come every week and she was discouraged and nothing happened. She'd just written some of her letters and she wrote a letter to her brother. Backslidden. Christian. She started talking and she got it. She went out to the, to the, to the um, mailbox. And she was you know, down. She almost, the, the week before... She wanted to cancel and quit the trip and not go on the trip. And I said, don't do it. We started our three-day fast. Every trip that we do, we do a three-day fast. We cry out. I said, let's get through the fast. Let's believe. She just wanted to send her daughter. I said, no, you're both going. You're both going. Believe God. Let's trust God. That week she went out and got a, and went to her mailbox and got an envelope from her brother. And she was... Said she got the envelope, she walked inside, she was shaking, she was just believing, Lord, just give me a hundred bucks, give me something to encourage me. And she opened it up and it was a check for $4,600. He bankrolled the whole thing. Well, Cindy went on this trip and she was part of a group. We had groups and I know I'm going to go over, but I'm going to do it anyway. Please forgive me. No, don't clap. Don't, no, no, no. You cannot do that. See, my pastor told me, he said, look, if they give you 35 minutes, you better take 34 because you'll never get invited back. But I got to tell the story. So Cindy was there and we had camps that were going and there was, you know, in Russia back at the time, in Latvia, it was very stoic, hard Russian, 
you know, so much was going on. The first day we're there, they're holding their seats and they're not, you know, they're, they're not worshiping and, you know, doing the sprinkler and doing the lawnmower and the soul train, trying to bring life. And they're just there holding it. But by the end of the week, these young Russian and Latvians were on the chairs dancing. The Spirit of God was there. And we had different groups. And Cindy had a group and there was no one in her group that got saved. We were were coming to the close. And the last day, we're right at the Baltic Sea. We were going to do baptisms. And no one went in her group. And she was discouraged and down and we were out there in the, in the ocean baptizing. We had our guitar on the things. And, and by the droves, by the hundreds, these Russians and Latvians were coming, wondering what was going on. This life was just exuding over the place. And we were out there baptizing a bunch of people and worshiping and on, the, on the beach and, and there. And all of a sudden, through an interpreter, I said, now, is there anyone else where Jesus is really touching your heart and and doing something in you. There was a young girl there. It was in Cindy's group. Have not gotten saved. But she said, you know what? I've been running from God. I need to get right. And she, she said, I need to do this. And I saw Cindy, who was dressed in jeans and fully dressed on the shore. When this young girl said that, she then left the shore and went in a full sprint, fully clothed. And came and embraced this girl. Baptized her, changed her life. Ten years later, she's now got married, beautiful kids, and her daughter Monique, who went on the trip, is now a senior, is a senior at uh, Jacksonville University, a double major. But what all she wants to do is be a missionary. Because of that moment, let me tell you something. God is after. You, because all it takes is 10 days. 10 days to make you radical. 10 days to get outside your eight dots. 10 days to think past yourself. 10 days to see God enlarge you. 10 days to build with people that are not like you. 10 days to build with people that are just like you. 10 days to be used by God. 10 days to participate in the Great Commission. 10 days to become a follower. 10 days to become a leader. 10 days to live sacrificially. 10 days to realize it's not about you. 10 days to ignite your passion. 10 days to live out what you believe. 10 days to find out what's inside of you. 10 days to flat out be ruined for mediocrity. 10 days to enlarge your heart. 10 days to expand your mind. 10 days to shock your friends, in 10 days to rock your world. Let's pray as we close. Father, today, we thank you for your love for people. We thank you that you sent someone to us to preach to us, to share your love with us. And Father, I pray today that You would stir something inside of us that we must go. We must do mission together. Holy Spirit, I'm so grateful for this church. I'm so grateful for the people here today. But Lord, I pray for those that have been afraid to jump. Maybe a 
answering the call of their lives. Maybe reaching out to a neighbor. Maybe being bold at their workplace. Maybe whatever it is, Lord, I'm asking You today that You would prompt us to go deeper. Lord, I break every spirit of fear. I break every intimidating spirit. And Lord Jesus, I'm asking You now to do something supernatural, permanent, monumental inside of us. Lord, help us to respond to Your call to go. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank You for that right now. In Jesus' name, Amen. And Amen. Three things, and I'm going to ask Pastor Rich to come up and close. Number one, if, if anything is stirred or anything you're curious about, come to our meet, informational meeting tonight at 5 o'clock. If you even have an inkling Just come at 5 o'clock. We are going as a church together to Baja, Mexico this summer. Our trip to Mexico, we've we've had our biggest trip there. We had 147. There's so many things that we can can do. We'll build more things. We'll have more opportunities. The harvest is ripe in Mexico. Number two, you can go to our 10daysmissions.org and see we're going to 11 cities this year and maybe take a trip and pray for us. Pray for some of these kids that are going on these mission trips in there. And number three, join us and fast and pray. We fast and pray the first Monday of every month for missions. Just say, you know what, I want to be a part. I want to do that. And if God's stirring in something inside of you, I'm going to stick around after the service and come up and talk to me. And I just love you, appreciate you, and appreciate the opportunity today, Pastor. Thank you so much.